I think it's pretty safe to say that, like, somewhere on, like, Maslow's, like, hierarchy of needs, um, of which Br Bridget Jones has, uh, comically tumbled down all of them while an old soul song was playing, um, I think I'm trying to figure out, like, where is, um, Mark Darcy on that, that pyramid? Because this movie begins and ends with, like, are you good enough to keep him? And the answer is, Mark Darcy will tolerate anything. Is that unfair? I don't know what at all I'm supposed to glean from this movie. I I truly, I come out of the experience, like, well, I guess maybe, like you were saying, Ellen, the, the message of this movie is never improved because I had a terrible time, but turned off the TV exactly the same person as I was when I began the movie. <laughs> There you go. No, yeah. I'm worse. <laughs> I'm worse after I watched it. I literally feel sick and angry, and I wasted so much time. <laughs> I really, I, I know I hate films more than this one, but I really didn't like it. I really didn't like it. This was a tough one. It's intrusive, too. Like, it's not like you can just forget it. You're like, oh, the bus goes by twice. Once <laughs> or twice. And I'm thinking about that again. I'm, like, remembering it vividly. <laughs> oh, my oh. God. I love picking a bone with that. You're right. It's stupid. I hate it. Every frame, every frame a problem, really. There's, like... <laughs> What? There's like an individual thing you can point to as synecdoche for this movie's failure in nearly every shot. We should fucking introduce ourselves today. All right. Yeah, yeah. It's a very exciting episode, mm -hmm. folks. I, uh, I'm i I'm Dixon, um, and you probably know me from sending all my friends the same picture of ER era George Clooney when they ask what they should do with their hair. Uh, I'm Becky. You know me from when I just walked home from the gym and I was wearing $8 pink shorts that were completely s sweated through and you saw my ass crack. Everyone did, but especially you. Uh, my name is PJ, they, them. Uh, you probably know me from standing in front of my English class in 10th grade, answering a call from my mom to the school, to the office, because she'd found my meme folder. And in my one-sided explanation of it in front of the class, everyone heard me, back to them, phone against my face, say, it's not pornography, Mom. Also, I'm a writer. <laughs> <laughs> um, and hello, disc jockeys. I'm one of you. But I have... I have ascended and am today a guest on the... And I ref please don't call me a friend of the pod. Um, <laughs> but I am today's guest, uh, a Bridget Jones anthropologist, regrettably, um, a writer and someone who thinks of Dwayne The Rock Johnson primarily as a wrestler, um, as if that gives be some kind of indie cred and knowing that it doesn't. <laughs> no, that is, a, that is a type of person. I think you're right. Oh, did y'all hear that? Is that thunder? Whoa. Yeah, New York is loud right now. So, you know, maybe That's you'll... That's because that city usually sleeps so much. It, it, it is really <laughs> a sleepy off. town. It's a sleepy little town um, <laughs> up north. Um, so, yeah, we'll see how that goes. But it is pretty thunderous right now. Wow, total um, Bridget Jones moment. Oh, my God. I know. So crazy. I was yeah, Are you going through rain. something? Like, <laughs> See, that's the thing. I actually am not. I'm 
great. Everything's perfect in my life <laughs> in general. And so that's sort of how her and I are different. So I, I, the reason I didn't like the movie is because I'm really successful and I don't have emotional issues. So that's why I didn't like it. Not because it's the worst thing I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> And this is Dead Horse, a podcast where we talk <laughs> yes, about uh, under-discussed uh, <laughs> film series, you know, the the, the misbegotten, the um, generally... Uh, you got I'm this. sorry. No, this it's one okay. <laughs> it is fine. This, this one's, one's overextended. I don't know how many people in our audience play Dark Souls, but there's uh, an, a, a type of enemy called the Jailer. And what they do is they glare at you, and instead of you losing health, you watch your health bar shrink. And that's what uh, Bridget Jones' The Edge of Reason did to me. <laughs> I felt like my lifespan shortened like I was in the machine uh, that Carrie Elwes gets put into in The Princess Bride. <laughs> Why is it called The Edge of Reason? That's the worst title I've ever heard. And for what happens in this movie, what are you guys talking about? What does that mean? Am I dumb? I I like to think that it's it allows it allows you to feel like you were watching like a sophisticated play um, while you're watching <laughs> them recreate a fight. Um, this time to a song that doesn't work. Um, but I I really wish there were like dozens of these and that they all had like equally like mm, very serious titles like Bridget Jones, The Moon of Thinking or Bridget Jones, uh, The Twilight of Consideration. I also like it goes with that too that on the poster like I don't know if you guys seen the, the poster for the mm-hmm. movie but in for the first one it's Bridget on her own I think like eating chocolate and looking 30 and in the second Pathetic. one, they've put they've put the eye candy up with her Hugh Grant's frosted tips and <laughs> Colin <laughs> Firth's yeah, and um the, <laughs> there's an there's an arrow pointing to Colin Firth that goes and it says big lawyer and there's an arrow pointing <laughs> to uh, Hugh Grant it says big liar and it's like well why. <laughs> And like, wait, is it because if they were like a two-headed monster, I could see that being a conflict. But like, if they're just two different people with L adjectives, like I, I'm at the edge of reason. I think it's a threat. (laughs) Also, big lawyer, big lawyer doesn't make him sound like he's a lawyer of renown. It makes him sound like he's a Guinness World Record holder for biggest lawyer. (laughs) (laughs) The big friendly Colin. Oh, I have a couple of questions about like this source material. H- have you read like all how many how many Bridget Jones books are there? Three, and I have read the first one. It's got to be a hundred times, and mm. I've read the second one for this podcast. No, I read the second one too a couple of times, um, and then I've never read the third one because she's like a baby in it. Like I'm not mm. there yet, um, and I don't want to <laughs> go there with her. <laughs> and I think I'm just I think I'm just all set. Um, <laughs> this is me trying to like defend that I as a teen like was very into this book. Um so I I yes, I've really really read the books. I think of Bridget Jones as a book. Um I'm a, I guess like a purist. Um, How Oh, I'm sorry. No, please uh, stop me from saying I'm a Bridget Jones purist. <laughs> Thank correct correct intervention yes <laughs> I, I was just going to ask like how how faithful are these adaptations i feel like i read somewhere that one hue's pretty close does does the edge of reason as well uh one is really close two not really like same kind of important plot beats like 
uh, getting, like, the breakup with, um, <laughs> the breakup with Mark Darcy, um, like, the law dinner and stuff. There is no really, but then it's pretty different. Like, the parents get the axe from the story, um... The timeline's pretty different. Uh, we get a lot less of like Tony Blair and New Labor's influence, which is surprisingly a big point of discussion in the second <laughs> book. Um, and they eliminate the mom this time has like brings back someone from Kenya in the book to like who like kind of comments on British society and culture while Bridget's like, hey, I think this might be racist, but not at the right time in the right way and does nothing about it. So to answer your question, um, two strays further away from the book. Oh, also like when they break up, like Mark goes and dates someone else who's like Bridget's rival and they, I think they eliminate that altogether. Um, there's no, uh, there's no lesbian like that character just like goes out with him when they're broken up and isn't a lesbian who's obsessed with Bridget the whole time. Uh, this is this is a lot to spring on you as a guest. So like, don't worry if you don't want to do it. I completely understand. I just think that you might be the most qualified. Uh, could you give us maybe a, a, just a quick summary of the film um, Bridget Jones, The Edge of Reason? Sure. Oh, wait. OK, I forgot something else that important happens. Bridget's oh, yeah. like horrible sexist boss, like gets fired for be- for like she's like yells at him for sexual harassment and he gets fired and she gets a way better job at the station like there's a whole plot line about that that's like women don't want to see that and they throw that out too (laughs) um so now that i've listed what isn't in the movie all right bridget jones the edge of reason um our girl is back and clumsier than ever um opens on like a painful sort of uh you know, humiliating, oh, Bridget's going to do something clumsy, but since it's the sequel, it's clumsy from 3,000 feet. Um, So she jumps out of a plane. She's, like, still working at the TV station as the butt of the joke. She's happily dating Mark Darcy, um, but with all, like, the clumsiness of a relationship. Um, They finally break up when they go to a law dinner, and Bridget is her, like, clumsy Madonna colloquial self. Um, and Mark Darcy is a fucking Tory. <laughs> they break up because he f- he's embarrassed by her and because they don't communicate. Um, then she, for some, in some contrived plot line, goes off to Thailand with uh, Hugh Grant's Daniel Cleaver, um, the long-haired bad boy, now a bleached bad boy in this one, um, with her friend Shazer. Bridget gets stuck with uh, some drugs uh, at the airport and gets thrown in a prison. It is a direct rip from uh, Sandra Gregory's drug arrest um, and her memoir, which is uh, Forget You Have a Daughter. So that's a whole other side thing. Um, and so then it becomes like a backdoor pilot for Orange is the New Black. And Bridget <laughs> has a great time in prison. She's everyone's favorite camp counselor. They talk about Madonna, which is the most important thing. And in what almost seems like a good moment, Bridget is like, oh, these people have real problems. I'm an idiot. But it turns out that she doesn't do anything with that realization. Stays terrible. She and Mark get back together. Thank you so Incredible. much. Incredible. Just yeah, seamless as fuck. I can do that again in 20 seconds. <laughs> I'm a little nervous. <laughs> no, no, that was that was great. I have a question. So I want to know, like, from the first film, Ellen, like, or, or did you see the first movie before you read the book? Or did you read the book first? I read the book first. Okay, cool. So in the first movie, like, can you talk a little bit about your love for the series? And, like, what makes you an uber fan 
and like what keeps you here even though it's painful from here on out (laughs) (laughs) i think um okay so i i think there's a certain like ilk especially of like millennials where um with like cable tv and stuff like you're really as a kid aspiring to like be a teenager like i watched a lot of like trl and stuff like that um and i saw like the bridget jones book i think at my aunt's house and i stole it under my t-shirt i I, I knew her immediately um and took it home and like read it and thought it was the funniest thing i'd ever read um (laughs) and um i think like the the like cultural like what is bridget jones to the zeitgeist is exactly what she um was to me like she's um she's not fat like we need to say that she isn't fat sure and in the book she isn't fat and in the movie she's not fat um but she's not thin which was like okay i'll take it um there was like so much relief she's clumsy and she's not really good at anything um and yet she's like a good friend and a good person which seems pretty appealing um i like the way that she was always following up through the world and that she was funny um and then of course uh like i really love um jane austen and pride and prejudice and i think it's a pretty fair adaptation of those so so yeah like i'm you know like the sort of like it's okay to be single the lampooning of like romance and dating culture uh the dunking on like self-help i know the book does that i don't know if you guys and i went to ask you like do you feel like that's what the first movie does too like does that come across because in the diary she's constantly noting like how many cigarettes and what she ate that day and stuff because she's like she's just on a mission like it's a self-help year um and so the message of the book that works better i think is like you don't need to improve like you don't have to spend money on these books like you're you're fine yeah yeah i think that comes across a little bit in it um and also because of how hilarious all the self-help books are titled, which PG yeah. pointed out, and which I totally missed. This so, someone's shooting in the sky. Someone in the clouds is just shooting bullets. Sorry. Um, I'm gonna tell God what's what. <laughs> that cicada um, has a huge gun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that did come across, especially because when she was at her heaviest which is 140 if i'm not mistaken (laughs) he like loved her and took her in at her heaviest weight so i was like okay at least at least that's a fact of the movie but well and i think too like i was talking to my cousins who were in their 50s so like they were much more kind of bridget jones about it and they were like well it's a rom-com with no makeover montage like she really Mm. doesn't have to to change so true she's not a person it's like oh but there's just actually a beautiful person in you who's trapped who's pinned down by your glasses who just yeah. needs to be liberated right like so this idea of like is there relief that bridget is giving us like i think there's something to that um, i think i'll never like quite get there um because <laughs> what bridget leaves me leaves us without is uh, much greater especially now but yeah there, there's something to like that it's supposed to be dunking on romantic comedies even, but then it doesn't, and it's a, maybe it's, it's even more of a betrayal that it just becomes one. This this one in particular felt like um, a real pivot into the aesthetics of the 2000s romantic comedies, like leaning even more into like the magical realism for the purpose of humiliating our lead um, even more into just like completely unrealistic scenarios and like contrivances that feel like contrivances as opposed to coincidences. 
Because, like, in the first movie, it's absurd that Mark is everywhere that uh, she and Daniel Cleaver go. But that's kind of, like, as far as it went. Right at the beginning, we're being asked to buy that uh, Daniel Cleaver was just like, you know what I'm going to do? I know! (laughs) Host a TV show! (laughs) What is he reading on the plane? Is it Mrs. Dalloway? He's so annoying. (laughs) Like, he's like, oh, I'll just go back to Mrs. Dalloway if you don't sit with me. And I don't know. It had nothing to do with anything. There's no metaphor. I was just like, oh, I hate hearing you say that. And I uh-huh. hate you, too. Like, in, in the first movie, like, obviously, you Daniel Cleaver was, like, a complete scumbag. But, like, you got it. Like, you got why somebody might be tempted by this person. Why somebody might try to pursue them and change them. In this one, he's just a slimy little wiener. Can, like, can I talk about that a little? About all the Daniel Cleaver stuff? Because, like... What, like, one of my biggest takeaways from this movie was that it it left me wondering if I had been too kind to the first one. Um, it hurts the first one retroactively, like, so hard. But I'm also still aware that there are, like, these things that the the first movie was better at that are missing here. And, and without it, everything else is, is nails on a chalkboard. Dixon, you were kind of talking about, like the the magical realism business and i i generally just think there's something like things are less realistic but it hits different because the world doesn't feel like it's quite as heightened as as expertly not expertly but as as well as the first movie is and then you get to cleaver um featuring his entrance where a voice in a dark room asks you have you ever fancied having sex with a complete stranger in the dark? Which is when I would pull out the fucking mace and put my keys between my knuckles. That's probably what I would go ahead and do. There's a, there, like you were saying, like there's an appeal to Daniel Cleaver, but there's a difference between what the first movie called a, a scoundrel or what we would call a fuckboy and, and what he is in this movie, which is just a pretty straightforward villain who has been made over by the Queer Eye dudes in 2004, <laughs> complete with the artfully must hair and that one button down, like vertically striped shirt that every man in 2004 was court ordered to wear by those five white men. Oh. <laughs> it was the law. If in 2004, you had to either enlist in the army or wear one of those shirts. <laughs> Otherwise, you would get lined up against a firing wall and they'd shoot you while Yeah by Usher was playing. <laughs> it wasn't the greatest time. I think things have gotten better. No, I think the, the whole, even like the scoundrel stuff with, with Cleaver, like there's, there's an appeal to that. And it isn't here because he kind of just goes between being like, no, Bridge, I've changed. <laughs> and, and also being like, oh, but wait, I'm, I'm also like, like actively sniffing women as they walk by me. And also, yeah. I'm in treatment for sex addiction and it's an actual thing. But is he? I can't fucking tell. Right, and I'm like, what what we're supposed to believe too that he's like, "Oh, I'm just going to Is he just like a really boring sociopath? Like he's like I'm just going <laughs> to like totally lie to Bridget and make this whole story up because I'm obsessed with her because she looks like my the my mother like i don't know but like why would he go through all that like why is he hiring her for a job so that he can be her boss again like 
but we don't even get into that. Like, so that couldn't be part of it. I just like don't understand why he's telling her this lie and then embarrassed to be caught because in the first movie, right, he's like, yeah, I'm a scoundrel. That's the appeal of me. Like, I'm Hugh Grant and I'm trying to rebrand myself after being in too many rom-coms. And it's it's also like a part of the reason why that's so damaging to the movie is that like, it was a, a beguiling question by the end of the first movie is like, is he really apologetic? Like this guy is such an asshole, but like there's a hint of truth to him, like being like, uh, I, I need you bridge. Whereas in this one, every line is like, he's saying it to Georgie through a storm drain. Like, yes. <laughs> no, but like, yes. Like <laughs> I feel similarly. To- <laughs> uh, you'll float down here too, Bridget. <laughs> He thought, he thought all I knew about the storm drain was pussies and ping pong balls. Also, everything he says is disgusting. Just fucking gross. I feel similarly to Peach in that, like, I was thinking about how I spoke about the first film and realizing, like, I really did try to find what was lovable about the first film. And, and, but there was so much I was, like, fine with or didn't like up until, like, the Mark Darcy Bridget storyline really started developing because I really feel like that had a beating heart at the end of the first film like their connection they had a ton of chemistry like I could feel their their chemistry and I understood what kind of romance that was and the way that it ended and it was very sweet so I felt really won over by that like dopamine hit at the very end of the film and like (laughs) totally forgot about all those things I didn't like Whereas in this, like, I understand, like, it, it's it's almost an intriguing idea to, like, sort of see how the fairy tale plays out and that, like, there are people with problems and, like, they're not necessarily, like, compatible, but you got to work through it if you love someone, etc. But something about it just, like, super didn't work. A billion things about it super didn't work, especially the fact that, like, I don't know if I'm alone on this, but I felt like Colin Firth and Renee Zellweger did not have, like, much chemistry on this at no. all. No. Yeah. None. None. They seemed None. so, like... They seemed green screen together. Yeah! <laughs> like, they did not want to be there. And then, so when they broke up, I was like, yeah, like, I, I get it. So what are we doing with the... I knew that they would get back together, but I was like, so what are we doing in the rest of this film? Like, waiting for this, like, artificial sweetener of a makeup later on. Yeah, and you don't care that they're not together, and you definitely don't care that they get back together. Um, I know we have to talk about, like, the prison and so much about the prison, but, like, also, like whoa he's so mean to her in prison (laughs) he like he comes to prison to be like to like flex to be like look at me i'm not in prison and you are and i don't care what you do and i'm just like um dude like no this is you're not winning this is beyond daniel cleaver this is like she's in prison like (laughs) like let's chat about this outside of prison <laughs> yeah like maybe on even ground or something or like dude aren't you like a human rights lawyer by the way we never hear and he never does anything important and um like don't you have a little bit of compassion like i why are you here why are you lying that's such a weird lie like uh. also i mean you know the, the poster gives us a hint but how big a lawyer is he because it turns <laughs> out that he's been wielding the entirety of interpol like a morning star the only lines her friends have in this movie and they're obviously of course like they're much bigger in the books and they're all in their own dysfunctional relationships but like um 
The only thing they do is, like, the camera just follows, bops around as they're, like, step by step of what Darcy did. And I'm like, was someone in the writer's room, like, concerned that the that that would fall apart and ruin the movie. They were like, here's how it happened. Like, (laughs) why do her friends know? And like, why are they taking turns telling her? Like, it's so, I mean, it just like doesn't, I can't, I keep getting distracted because I'm like, oh, that reminds me of another thing that I didn't like. But like, okay, so you mentioned The Princess Bride, Dixon. Like, The Princess Bride is one of the most rewatchable movies ever because even when you see a joke coming, it's how perfect it is that keeps you engaged. And this is the opposite. You see every joke coming and it makes you push away even more. Like, you know she's going to get soaked by that bus twice. I don't even know how I know. It's like when you get told that there's a twist in a movie, but you don't know what the twist is. So you spend every scene looking for it. I was doing that, but with like, what public humiliation is she going to incur here? In in the first one, there's a lot of this person is is flawed and makes mistakes and isn't confident. And then that makes things awkward. Um, or this person is is like you. And here's a situation where you could fuck up that way. Um and, and I'm not saying that, like, being a, a shitty, insecure partner and taking your insecurities out on your partner isn't a normal thing that, like, otherwise decent people sometimes fall into the trap of. Um, I'm saying that the way it plays out in this movie is completely unrelatable. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because it's it's like an arc of... Uh, what what am I grasping for here? Her main concern with, with Mark is that she feels like he is constantly embarrassed by her. But that's probably only because every time she's standing near water, she says out loud, Oh, well, I certainly hope two buses don't splash me. Yeah. It's, it's a combination of, like, comical bad luck and and actual, like, like shitty Think she does. Yes. Like she is responsible for a lot of that embarrassment in this. And like, and like in other situations, I feel like in the first movie, like a lot of the environment would elicit that reaction from her. But in this one, she just does like a lot of missteps and like it's very clunky and unnatural. I think particularly of when she storms into his house and she meets Rebecca for the first time. This is this really more speaks to just like how unlikable she is in this film and how silly it was written. When Rebecca's like, like, she was like, "Who are you?" And then she's like, "Bridget Jones." And she's like, "Well, I'm Bridget Jones." And I was just like, "What the fuck? Like, that's so shut up. Like, that's not <laughs> funny, and that's that's bad writing. And like, you're not. I'm not more intrigued by this." I don't know. I'm just being mean. I just Why don't like something it. Something so simple as like my boyfriend's talking to some like other hot person and it's a problem because we don't communicate and commit to each other. Like, why does that need to be contrived? Like, I, it takes these like really simple things. Yeah, true. Especially in a rom com where like cliches welcome. Like, yeah. <laughs> you don't need to make that so hard. That's so true. Because it, 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 it clouds what is even happening. Like, I just, I, I can't emphasize enough, like, Jane Austen would not do this. Like, I know. <laughs> like, I just know that she would not do this. Oh, and the second book is, this book is based on Persuasion, a later Jane Austen novel. 
Um, we've just been batting this around like a pinata, and like we know we're all supposed to take turns, but we but we all can't hold off with no. our wiffle bats long we enough. We just need to beat. <laughs> we just need to keep beating it until something good happens. I need something good to happen out of having watched this film. <laughs> no candy inside of this. I uh, like. If you're gonna be a, if you're gonna be like a send up of rom coms, and this movies are not brave enough to be that, like in any way, but like it, these movies do the best when they're like a little self aware. Like, okay, the fight is to its reigning men, and the in the first movie, right? Mm-hmm. And the fight joke is that I'm sorry, can you tell me the oldest child? I'm just like, here's what we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. We need you. And it's also like it's a terrible fight. Like part of the fight is that like this is so anti sexy. This is so anti-manly. So anti-sexy. The first one was kind of sexy. Like, they were, like, actually fighting in the first one. In this one, they're, like, kicking and pretending they can't fight when we saw them fight in the first film. Right. And they're, but they're, like, hair pulling and jack, like, the first one is a, a big wink at, it's, like, at the audience that it's catered to, right? Like, women, like, it's, like, oh, here they go. And, like, it's two men fighting over Bridget, but it is not, like, hot or romantic. There's no swords. There's just, like... <laughs> insecure rambling chaos um and i was just like oh insecure rambling chaos that's me and i got (laughs) (laughs) um but it's like a big wink and it works it's it's it knows that these two guys are not being dashing like they're supposed to be like mr darcy is supposed to be um and like even kind of i think the closest the second one ever gets is the lesbian kiss that's to the sort of swelling music with a little montage like it's like trying to be a pie in the face to rom-coms and i'm like the fact that that is the closest this movie gets to like being self-aware is again very very bad but there's there's just not an ounce of it the kiss ruined my week it's not the worst lesbian film i've ever seen by a mile but I did hate it every second of it with every fiber of my being. I was like, this is a big fucking joke that Rebecca likes Bridget. Bridget is almost insufferable in this film. <laughs> and Rebecca is a sweet, open-minded, albeit a little touchy with um, her boss. But person. a barrister at 22 also. like I like I like Rebecca. I don't like Bridget in this film. So that kiss just felt like... That kiss just felt like every, like, gay girl's nightmare of a straight girl. It was, like, a straight girl's fantasy of being, like, you probably like me, right? And, like, the gay girl's, like, no. Like, no, I'm just telling you Look I'm at the gay. state of you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but instead, in this, in, <laughs> instead in this, You're they're, covered like, yes. in mud. <laughs> horrible i was and and then and then and then the joke is that gay i think like three times in this film i mean i gotta it's 2004 but the joke is gay you know bridget's is just like i'm from the other team and i'm just like get me out of here i hate you my my only fucking addition to the kiss moment is really just that like bridget's reaction to it for those of you who don't know what we're talking about Rebecca, the the hot, super skinny lady who's working for Mark, who all of Bridget's uh, toxic as fucking poison friends have convinced her Mark is fucking. Um, it turns out that she's actually had eyes on Bridget all along, and so they kiss, but Bridget is uh, politely disgusted, and her, her like, like overflowing like oh well if i uh if i ever bat for the other team i'll uh be sure to let you know 
Um, and there's there's Rebecca just beaming and smiling, grateful for this this little this little crumb um, from this this piece of shit Bridget Jones. Horrifying. You can only imagine how crushing it would be if you were a bisexual, I'm sorry, 2004, a lesbian who, um, no, 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 no. Well, it might've been against the law in England. I don't know how they do over there. Um, I, I know they're, I know they're not wild about trans people, so I'll try not to think about that. I wanted to punch her. She was so fucking punchable in the aftermath of that kiss. Because not only, like, I'm sorry, you got ki- you got kissed by a beautiful woman. Like, don't act, don't act the way you're acting. And then be sensitive to the fact that she just, like, poured her heart out to you and you just acted, like, relieved and disgusted in the same breath. It was so horrifying. I was like, I can't believe this is the joke. I can't even believe it. Like she, she isn't afforded much characterization I- at all in the first, you know, four fifths of the movie, and then at the very end, this retroactively makes anything she did or said part of the setup to a joke. And then once they're done with that joke, the movie throws her away from it like an ultimate frisbee. Yes, she is just like this disposable homophobic bit that straight audiences are supposed to be like. Ah, like I if my if my boyfriend ever gets an assistant, I hope she's a lesbian, you know. And it's just like I hate what comforts you. <laughs> I hate you. Awful in every. It's awful in every uh, direction. Yeah, like retcon gayness. Uh, gay people are just attracted to like anybody who's in their orbit. Um, that it's like. Yeah, that it's predatory. I also think, like, and I'm not sure if, if y'all would agree, but I think there's something more homophobic about 2004 in general. I don't know if yes. it's, like, yeah. because we're a much more kind of militarized culture um, at the time, like, or it's just George W. Bush, or it's just, like, you know, it's just the pendulums have to swing. I, I don't know, but, like, gay people are around you and thinking, like, without your knowledge attracted yeah. to you. It's like, like a that, warning. It's like a cautionary tale. Right. And like, and, and they don't deserve, even though Bridget has spent the entire movie talking about like how much it hurts to not be loved back the way you deserve. Like there's just absolutely not even a channel of empathy for this girl. Really when I was truly just viscerally spent was when they were singing Madonna in the jail. Oh, oh I wanted to die. Shit. I... I was like, I can't do this, but I have to. I have to stay. It was so, so horrible. So we've we've come to it, for me the crux of the matter, <laughs> which is <laughs> Bridget Jones accident gets gets accidentally handed a souvenir full of cocaine while she's in Thailand. Um, leans down to pet the drug sniffing dog. The drug-sniffing dog, of course, smells the cocaine, and she goes to prison in Thailand. Holy shit. What wasn't wrong with that? Nothing. Everything was wrong with it. I I was agog. Like, it's, it, it's like, actively racist. Like, it's, it's a really fucking racist 20 minutes in the middle of this not great movie <laughs> it was already fucking racist <laughs> i don't need a metaphor um like daniel's show is racist oh yeah oh god Their time yeah. in thailand is incredibly 
racist and what's it's supposed to be a sexist send-up right like Bridget has to do all the cultural stuff and Daniel gets to do all the fun nightlife stuff and he's in first class and she's on the beach in a hut Mm -hmm. like they're like it's actually trying to point out like sexism but is just like you can't even get to that because the racism is like so abound it's such like colonialism yeah he's talking his intro I think he's like oh um like westerners have long been drawn to the east like it's right back to like i mean classic classic old like like tropes like i would not be surprised like i was like oh are it, like is the word opium coming like i'm worried for myself like, i th- i think ellen that's like a, a great way of putting it and i think that's why it's so jarring because like th- these movies like are racist there are racist uh, moments in the first ones and you know it's just like pervading obviously this movie about upper crust english white people um but it i think when it gets to the thai prison is when it gets the most um loud old school yeah yeah the double left turn when it was already so screaming they already shouldn't be in thailand like this already like didn't have to be in this film at all they literally only went to thailand i mean i know there was a book written but as i was watching it i was like they're only here to try other foods and be like "Mm, ew that's kind of gross do you want to fuck after you know like that's like the that was the only oh and because of the because of the sex worker stigma right oh, uh-huh. like daniel yeah. how course, else would like, he have a where sex else worker? would he be appreciated and welcomed yeah mm. no it's like, horrifying horrifying what they did um so fucking unnecessary like just and and, and the the like it, when she's in the prison she's like totally revolted by being around all these thai women i mean that's the subtext they're I got. not even singing madonna right yeah no the, they're they're yeah. they're 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 so dumb to not sing it perfectly i'm like what are you talking about why is that the worst part of the experience you're having <laughs> bridget is just like bridget's looking at them like they are just just scratching on her eardrums because they're singing madonna in in a way that's not appropriate. So then it cuts to a musical montage. She's conducting of, of her conducting them singing it. And boy, is she the ringleader of fun in this one? And everybody loves her, and they all want to know what's up with her, and they call her B shit. I want to die. I literally feel embarrassed to have like t- like just spoken what happened in the film. Like I feel embarrassed. Last night watching this was real. I, I was I was just so full of hatred watching Bridget Jones <laughs> Lamb of the Golden Sphere because um, I don't know I was in a real like like kill kill ki- like kill kill all straight people and also white <laughs> genocide yesterday start with me um, it's it's specifically I think that it's not even that she's bonding with them over over something american it's not that they're singing the song together it's that she is waving her hands like a magical fascist trying yes. to get them to just drop their embarrassing fucking accent literally She's the john smith of this prison <laughs> yes why are absolutely. you col- why are we colonializing this women's prison yeah like sh- she treats them like pikmin like she just she just like decides what they're going to do and like what their lives are going to be about now and like the prison that this is based like like the okay so the woman who whose memoir this is like 
it, and I can't emphasize enough, I didn't read the whole thing, but skimmed it enough to be like, this is still very much like a white view into prison and like, oh my God, it's so horrible that you went to this notorious Thai prison. Um, I think it's Bang Gwang prison in Thai. Like the, I don't know if that's what this is supposed to be based on, but the what Helen, because Helen Fielding's parents were neighbors with the parents of the girl. It's a whole thing. Um, but like the average drug sentence in Thailand is death. It's the death penalty. Like Bridget was up against like her sentence of 10 years. I was like, oh, too short. Like that's not actually accurate. And like a lot of those women are in prison for life. And I'm not saying that you can't get really twisted and dark humor about really hard things. Like, of course you can. And we all have to, right? But like, it doesn't work. And like, I don't know that a water bra would distract someone from the fact that they're not going to go outside again. Like it just, and like, there is a part where she's like, oh, my problem, like they're talking about like, oh, my, my boyfriend makes, makes yes. me take heroin and beats me. Oh. And she goes, she goes, she goes like, oh my God, I'm an, like, I'm the world's biggest idiot. And I was like, that's right. And then I was like, here comes like, are we, is it a lesson learning montage? Or are you going to like, Kim Kardashian, the baby bar, like what's coming for Brit? Nothing, not nothing. No, she just lies and said, "Yeah, me too. Yeah, he beats me and does drugs too." And I don't mean to like uns like I don't mean to be like we can't make jokes about pri- or like jokes can't be made about prison and like hard shit. Like of course they can. I guess I'm repeating myself, and I'm just like, but this that's not what this is doing. Like these look like Gwen Stefani and her like dancers to me. Like that's what this reminds me of. I think if you're going to do something that grave, you can't get that colorful with it. And that's the real misstep is they tried to make prison. (laughs) Bridget makes prison fun. And it's like, okay, like, no. It's her unbeatable Bridgetness. Yeah. Like, that's what everyone needs, not like a lawyer. Whoa. Yeah, just a stick-to-itiveness and and a winning smile that... (laughs) Right, and, like, that's kind of, like, the argument, too. It's, like, what's special about Bridget is Bridget. Like, even though she's not beautiful and she's not that smart and she fell into a television journalism job, like, it's her Bridget and it's her unbeatable Bridgetness that makes her lovable. And, like, sure, that's great, I guess, for, like, women who are tired of being told to buy mascara, but, like, that's not, that doesn't, doesn't carry over. Like, that's not what this is for. It just should have stayed the fuck in Britain. Like, it just did not, we did not need, like, an international, like, lesson that was totally misplaced this way, because it, you're exactly right, it is not for women of color to glean anything from, literally, like, because she is not a lesson for, she's not a lesson. Uh, and, and fucking, I was like, I, obviously all of this was so goddamned reprehensible but i i was like oh wait hang on did we get out of thailand without like a really transphobic joke no nope. i'm surprised at this mo- no no <laughs> we don't wait i think ellen is frozen hi sorry i was just in um a thai prison <laughs> no you're totally fine was it fun was it at least fun? yeah of course it was fun <laughs> um, what, what song what song did you treat uh, did you teach the other inmates treat them too. uh we did we did walk um <laughs> Uh, and everybody loved it and um yeah i'm like very famous in the prison that's so cool are they still in prison for life but you're also like you're out just completely and you're scot-free i mean yeah like our, our timelines have definitely kind of you know separated um when i came back to the uk with whichever one of them whichever one of the boys it was 
Um, but I think that they're fine because they're different from me. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah so yeah, suffering, yeah. suffering, uh, you know, being like not a universal human tie that binds, no problem. What a fun little memory for you. That really enriches who you are. That's so cool. You're so quirky. You're always going on so many little adventures. You're always like falling down and, and smoking and uh, going to jail. It would be like... If, if for some reason um, uh, this portion of your life was in a three-act structure, it would be a great Capper to act to, that oh. story. <laughs> yes. Honey, yes. <laughs> Everybody would be just so solidly on my side, and I'd be ready to pick up the pieces of my shattered plot. <laughs> I, that was poetry. <laughs> the pieces of my shattered plot. It's 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 the ire, you know. Plus, I'm like Daniel Cleaver. I like am around a lot of books, so like, <laughs> a lot of shit. I think that's his thing. He's not. Well, he was. No, he just like totally a pivoted just to kind of bother Bridget a little bit. That he just changed careers just to sort of irritate her. That could have been something. That could have been like a point. Like him just sort of like deciding to do this and immediately getting like you know a position way above her like that could have been something but the movie doesn't treat it like 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 anything other than like uh uh-oh a romantic quirk in Bridget's Bridget doesn't even clock it she doesn't even seem to notice that it happens she's just inconvenienced by his his attempts to seduce her and it's like we yes for sure but also like what aren't you weirded out that he's there She's just angry that they ask her, ask her to join him, but but she's not like confounded by the sudden shift. Yeah, she's not like oh typical like of course this would happen. Yeah, like to the fact that I don't think the movie is even do. I don't think anyone who made the movie is aware of that. Like I think it was just like oh what cool sexy thing would he be doing now? Yeah, like, I, <laughs> I would I would have so many questions if I were in her position. Question one. How did they get every strand of your hair to be going in a different direction? (laughs) Hugh Grant in the first movie, this is so superficial, and I'm sorry to devote time to it when they're, like, you know, really... There there are, like, really, like, issues with this movie that are indicative of, like, pervasive and horrible attitudes. But Hugh Grant's hair looks a lot worse than in the first one, huh, (laughs) Huh, folks? (laughs) Yeah, like, they're totally... And I'm like, oh, you know this is aging him 10 years. (laughs) Like, you know that he looks so, like, the tan looks bad. The, like, tight collars on his Ugh. neck look, like, he, he looks, it's hate soup. Like, just hate. We hate Daniel Cleaver. We hate that little throwaway joke about a trans sex worker that didn't do anything but make me feel sick. I think that's, like, a Hugh Grant also, like, that's his humor, too. Like, I really think that was just, like, let's get a classic Hugh moment in here. Like, yeah. Feels like it was ADR'd in there, too. Like, it was something that came up at, like, the last minute. Like, um, but it, it really folds in with, like, uh, a trans person being, like, one more piece of evidence that Thailand is, like, a debauched, sicko place understood yes. through the filter of, like, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, where they're, like... Yeah, they eat monkey brains over here. They're all fucked up. Because yeah. I mean, the one thing that people say about, like, Thailand is, like, man, that food is disgusting. Like, <laughs> no one likes... You know what it was actually kind of reminding me of? Is it reminded me of, like, 
like all those movies in like the 60s or like I'm thinking of uh, the adaptation of Barefoot in the Park where like shorthand for like a, a slightly stuffy normal guy living in New York would be what do you mean they got a Japanese restaurant where they don't cook the fish or like other jokes around this time where they would have been oh, like what what it's called hummus what do you expect <laughs> me to do with this stuff um I, and that that fucking prison man like we were we were talking about like does does she learn a lesson from it and like obviously not she doesn't learn a lesson from like what other people are going through and what that means for like this this continuum that you're part of and like other people existing and relating to them she does Mark's learn not a lesson. so bad well that's that's exactly it that is the lesson the lesson of the prison stuff and the lesson of possibly the movie itself right is that yeah mark's not that bad you didn't appreciate what you had to begin with and what you need to do is just end the movie exactly where the movie began and yes. the last one ended. That's um, so true. They don't learn how to communicate better. They're just like, let's just do it. They honestly. just had another <laughs> fucked up fight that was like a little bit longer. Uh, and he pulled out his uh, his human rights lawyer dick and kind of wagged <laughs> it around. And she was legitimately like a liability to him in terms of like, being humiliating and like storming into a meeting covered in in urine and water and human feces and cigarettes and <laughs> um you know fluorescent paint and uh the dust that they put on kung fu fighters hands it's called power fun so when they punch something it makes a big cloud of smoke and she goes oh i'm, I'm coming in here now and, she, and you, can, you can barely understand her through, like, because her mouth's covered in tiger balm that she somehow <laughs> managed to walk through. <laughs> Why couldn't she just look nice for this? Why couldn't she just look nice? She lo- she was such a fucking disaster, this whole movie. We had a whole wardrobe montage after she tried to find him the first time, and then she went home and changed and the taxi guy thought she was really fucking smoking. And then, the, why did the bus happen? It was just so annoying. And just, like, adding so many chapters to this resolution I already didn't care about. Another problem I have with the movie that didn't, I can't emphasize enough, it doesn't matter. <laughs> like, we see the, t- she's like, I'll be back in two minutes, literally, or two seconds, whatever. And then we see that a lot of time passes, and she comes out in a new outfit. But then she rejects that outfit and then changes into all the other outfits really fast. The passing of time doesn't make sense either. And, like, did she pay the taxi guy for the whole time he was... Like, I was so angry by the end of the movie that I was just like, any little thing, I yeah. ding, yeah. I was going for. <laughs> Hold That's it accountable. so close to a good joke. That's so close. Oh, my yes. God. Yeah. And, like, the, her humiliation could be, like, uh, I, I think you look really great. You owe me 200 pounds, yes. which I, I believe is <laughs> yeah. worth... Um, twenty thousand dollars. Like it was like something like that, and then she could go in. But no, it has to be like physicalized by her being just like absolutely covered in like the the mud from World War One trench- trenches. <laughs> um, I hated it so much. Like it was so necessary. I do I do want to take this moment to shout out two bits that actually gave me a little bit of genuine, not Schadenfreude joy. I kind of liked the taxi guy 
uh, montage, like when she was coming out in different outfits. I thought that was kind of funny. Like, yeah. drafting he was so a, game. Yeah, like like drafting a rando into the position of like um, yeah. best friend who is thumbing you up or thumbing you down. I I kind of like that. It's mm-hmm. likable, totally. And the other bit, which was like oddly brilliantly staged. There's this whole subplot that's barely addressed. Her mother is getting married, and uh, Bridget goes to uh, a dress fitting, and it's lavender. And uh, her mom says, everything is going to be lavender at this wedding, including... And then it doesn't cut. She walks to, like, the back of the frame, opens a curtain, and Jim Broadbent, who is tiny in this frame, is wearing a completely lavender suit and just waves really gently. <laughs> yeah, or she she tucks him out of frame. Yeah. It's so funny. That is funny. There was a couple things I laughed at. I, but I, I, and I'm mad at myself that I didn't write them down, but I genuinely can't remember them because I spent so much of the film being irate. Did, did, did this movie, like, lose any key personnel between this one and the first one? Yes. So, the director of the first one is Sharon McGuire, um, and she was a, like, a real-life like, good friend of Helen Fielding. The character, is it Shazza? Is that her name? Um, Shazza being British short for Sharon. Like, the character is also uh, named Sharon, but okay. goes by Shazza, and that's why, like, we'll never, that's why it's not the same language. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, that's another problem with this movie, is that the country of England doesn't make sense. By by the end of last night, I was, I was pretty hard on, like, you know, kill all Brits. Uh-huh. I wanted to see <laughs> Big Ben burn to the ground. I want to. I wanted to see the Eye of London just roll across the globe like a Looney Tune. <laughs> I and and I wanted I wanted Bridget to be tied to it as it happened. Yeah, martyrdom is the only way. I'm sorry, Peach. Go ahead. Yeah, she was like very good friends with Helen Fielding around the time in her life that she was like drawing on for the Bridget Jones columns that became the Bridget Jones books. Um, She was functionally one of, like, the chain-smoking best friends in that author's life. Um, And I think a lot of what does work in the first movie can really be credited to her and to their collaboration. Um, This director is, is interesting. I wish I'd... I wish I'd researched her better. Her name is um, Bibon Cadrone, and she... I think this might be only her second narrative feature. Please fact check me on that. But I know that the f- the one that she does before this, which I'm a big fan of, is, is motherfucking Tu Wong Fu, Thanks for Everything, Julie Newmar, um, which is a, a legitimate contribution to, to queer cinema. And before this, and mainly outside of it, she's a documentarian. Um, so in 1983, she had um, a documentary about um, like a protest camp that was erected in in protest of like of nuclear war, I think. Um, and and she's also Wikipedia lists her as being an activist for uh, digital children's rights. And I, I don't know what that means. I don't know if that means making the internet a less predatory 
harmful place for children or if that means like getting fucking trans people kicked off twitter it's england i don't know i don't know how they all operate over there did you know that one of her friends is played by the actor who played moaning myrtle in harry potter 2 the chamber of secrets it's i forgive me if like if 19 other people have pointed this out but moaning myrtle has got to be the jk rowling self-insert because she never stops fucking crying about bathrooms um (laughs) so (laughs) (laughs) absolutely fuck (laughs) thank you (laughs) thank you oh my god um i'm like nodding and and silently heaving with laughter and truth listeners <laughs> but like more insufferable than that little woman's voice like worse oh my god, god. well do you like this is a movie I, I i get racked by this realization often but i try to tamp it down because i don't like to judge other people based on what they like but the fact that this this has got to be someone's favorite movie right no like <laughs> this i it can't be because if I, it's because it's such a retread to use a bridgetism and i forget what it means but like it's such a retread of this of the first movie and it, but it's a total studio sequel right just do give us the hits again just do it again do what the movie did before and i i mean yeah it's a good it does that i and it brings kind of no I think you're right that it lowers the first move. And I don't mean to keep being like, let's talk about how bad it is. No, that's let's how we feel. Let's talk about how bad it is. <laughs> because we were, and you haven't heard it yet, Ellen, but we were very gentle to Bridget Jones's diary. Like, we were very sweet to it. And I, I'm glad we were because that's how we were feeling in the moment. Right. But it really does highlight what was wrong with it because this just like doubles down on that you know yeah and like and and it it fucking extrapolates into an infinite like just like it into the future for all of eternity on how horrible things could become for the, yeah um, for anyone you smart. can't it, it takes all the grace out of the or like i think all the aspiration like a lot of the first one or at least for me i'm like i see what they're trying to do yeah and yeah. of course i read this when i was like young and i was like racism's over Right. Everything's fine. Like, everything's affordable. You can totally work at a TV station or as a book editing assistant and buy a flat in London. Like, <laughs> these are all fine things. Like, and so you can see, I think, much more clearly in the first one what it's trying to do, how different it was for its time. Like, even though Renee Zellberger isn't fat, like, she's Hollywood fat. Mm-hmm. It was, like, a big fucking deal that she gained weight for that movie. I think that in the first film, like, we at least very much refer to and believe that in the first film, I would consider her thin in the first film. I think Oh, that, for sure. I She's think way thinner. She is a little bit less thin in, in this film. Um, I would... I mean, she's still, like oozing within privilege yeah even she's still. so thin i don't understand it yeah, in the yeah, second yeah. film but I, I know what you mean i mean absolutely there is a discernible difference between her and like renee zellweger in any other role so yes totally and like people talked about it and like people were like very like oh well how is she gonna lose the weight like the diet and like the diet like the fascination with her gaining weight was like a topic of like you know, like e like kind of television celebrity media mm-hmm. like when Renee Zellweger won her Oscar for Cold Mountain in two thousand and four she had just finished filming Bridget Jones this one 
and it she hadn't lost the weight and it was like i remember watching like the red carpet carpet coverage of people are being like what is she possibly going to wear like she won the oscar and she gets asked about losing the weight like and not you know cold mountain and winning um yeah that oscar and she wore this dress that had like a big decorative bow on it um and like pe- the red carpet like people were just saying into the mics like oh she's wearing that to like it's to cover her ass because she hasn't lost her bridget's bridget jones weight so she can't wear her like so i'm not you know even the rich right like that's i guess what i'm saying but like she has total thin privilege she's a thin person yeah even um, her at her heavy quote unquote is still a thin person but for, by hollywood standards you know especially in 2004 i can totally imagine that that would be really tough to navigate for her society called her fat yeah like she they're like yeah she got really fat for this movie where she plays a fat girl. yeah that's very true and like i mean i haven't watched this since i've been like a woman and so i was just like oh my god like yeah oh my god like it's horrifying I mean, I'm genuinely, I mean, we still have so much of this. I think it's now much more subconscious or at least, um, I don't know, maybe the circles I and the pages I follow. But, like, I, I do feel like we are moving towards a less fatphobic future, which is awesome. Um, I do think it's going to take a much longer time for this to reach, like, anyone besides people in like very 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 liberal circles but i am excited for a future where these conversations are just like moot and unnecessary and don't have to happen and and that like just like all this retroactive commentary on someone's diet in 2004 is so fucking crazy to talk about you know another thing i just realized is like she did a lot of narration. <laughs> I actually <laughs> love this film. <laughs> More than returns. <laughs> um, I, I, she, she does a ton of narrating in this film, but it's not in the format of a diary, which sucks. Like, I wish it was. I wish it was in the format of a diary because it's instead this, like, very, like, manic, like, strange energy, like, self-deprecating and overly, like, fake it till you make it energy of the self-narration. But it's not formatted in a diary. So all you get is, like, this very strange energy from her. It's not centered or organized. Not that I like, like, the numerical organization of, like, her, like, talking about how much weight she's losing in the first one. But I like that the diary was a way for her to, like, address herself, you know? Mm-hmm. And, the, and in this, you just, like hear her creepy bad thoughts and i hate it (laughs) yeah like diaries you know i feel like there is sort of like an implicit uh permission to be a little bit venty and like angrier and sadder in it like that is like exactly and and revealing yeah yeah and and like revealing the the truths that you don't want to uh, address outside of this book and so kind of doing away with that format except for like i think the first and last bits of narrations or diary entries but everything in between that is just her being either really mean to herself or really mean to everyone around her. The diary is also like, that's what makes a lot of stuff in the first movie, Dixon, like you were saying, that's what makes that work. Like, you're going to be cruel to yourself in your diary, but in narration, you're a little bit more explicitly talking to an audience. I've, I've started like a few journals being like, all right, you motherfucker, you're going to clean up your fucking act, you little piece of shit, you know? And, like, 
I'm not arguing that that's healthy, but like that happens. That's yes. diary yeah. stuff. Totally. You're gonna grow yeah. your hair back, you motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the empathy too. You're like, oh yeah, I've felt that way about myself. Not like where, or isn't this? Not like waking thoughts of just like just brutally just maiming yourself, and then just being like, it's fine. I'll just put my ass in the camera and everything will work out and it's just like ah! it's amazing how quickly this movie digs the ditch it dies in because like she lands her parachute in a f- in a farm with a bunch of pigs and the like news director guy says get a shot of that polka and they zoom in on her ass and oh. it's just i was Ugh. like i can't do this like we're already here it's like first of all that word means dick so if if you're gonna if you're gonna use it use it right i'm i'm saying i'm saying wow that's also like (laughs) dixon there are other people on the chat they can hear you (laughs) um i just feel like i wasn't quite sure what to make of like the parachute thing because it's like it's just on the the edge of like whimsical that almost freezes me out. I yeah, I it was kind of giving me like Muppet sequel energy for just a <laughs> second there, um, but it's also like I I don't know her her boss is still like psychologically abusive and is just horrible and she lands in a bunch of pig shit and plays it off beautifully. And it's super charming and super humanizing. And that is ostensibly the thing that your network is getting money out of by putting Bridget Jones on the TV, which it's been doing for however many years. And eventually they come around to that. They're like, just kidding, Bridge, the the segment's a big hit. There's a great movie that came out this year, Bridget. It's called Saul. We're going to do that to you for a <laughs> Is there actually that much to, to fucking talk about here? I... I do have one question, though. Um, we, to me, the central hook of the the Dead Horse series and, and the story we're kind of trying to discover with each thing. And we're, and we're always trying to, like, find a story. And honestly, I feel like if we wanted to, we could have done, like, a Brendan Fraser-style, like, three-part, like, arc of, like, what Renee Zellweger's career and, like, the public's relationship with her. And maybe we can go into that a little bit on Seventeen. But she's an accomplished performer who, like, like you two were putting, I think, really, really well. Like, the public did project a lot of, like, nightmare shit onto her. And she, like, aged two years... And showed up in public and everyone was asking, like, oh, so you got plastic surgery. Like, what did you have done? And it's, I, I have, there's a lot of respect that I have for Renee Zellweger as a person and a presumably just fine human being. I don't fucking know. Um, that I do not have in me for um, this movie and maybe not this franchise, but I am now more curious than ever about what three is because i know for a fact it's not as bad as this um I, it, it it can't be right oh my god i don't think it i can don't think be, it can be now i'm a, I'm a convert there's no way it's as bad here's here's my question for for everyone here is was there any universe where there was another bridget jones story or where three years later you could have picked up 
and figured out like a whole new relatable human silly heightened but but like detailed story about about this person trying to find happiness and what could that have looked like i think that it i think that it should have been a one-off i think it was a self-contained story her silliness to me in the first film looked like yes a part of who she was but maybe something that her, her quirkiness her clumsiness whatever you want to call it looked like something that was a result of anxiety and worry that she would never find the person that she was gonna be with and then she did so it seems like you know she like presumably would like mature and grow into someone accomplished and interesting and intelligent but it it, but this was just like no she doesn't (laughs) and i just i don't feel like i'm that interested in her as a character to see three movies about her like straight up she's just a white woman who like is single like i just am not that interested so i've uh i've got a pitch yeah, what's up? Bridget becomes a member of Parliament. <laughs> and when she gets in, she realizes that uh, Daniel's the Prime Minister now. <laughs> and then Mark Darcy becomes, like, head of the UN. And then she's like, heads of the UN can't kiss like that? And he's like, oh, yes, they fucking can. <laughs> Bridget actually goes to the moon, and there is a, there is a <laughs> rover there that that daniel cleaver is sort of operating so like he's sort of like fucking up her trip so oh, love it, yeah. <laughs> you know if this was if this was a bit of a space race you'd, you'd <laughs> <laughs> i know and he hugh grant has made someone was telling me recently that he's a good actor and i was like no he's not <laughs> like i mean but how would you know that because we don't see him do acting like do do we he's oh, really he's good in, like some mini series that he's phenomenal he is in, very 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 good in the what's it called the undoing there's one movie that hugh grant is fucking incredible in that also I'm think about what you think it is before you say it. well I, think I, know too. I have a theory okay. i i bet dixon knows because this movie is actually a good version of the prison plot line from this movie you're it totally is a perfect right. movie, and it's called Motherfucking Paddington 2, and it's a goddamn masterpiece. Oh, wow. It's incredible. You know what the plot of that movie is? Is the cute bear goes to jail, and he wants to make everyone marmalade, and he tries to fit in with people, and he makes everyone there happy. Because Paddington is a force of good, and everywhere he goes, he cheers people with his fundamental philosophy if... If you're nice and polite, the world will be right. He doesn't tell Thai bears, like, that's not how you make marmalade. <laughs> is he, like, making, like, toilet yeah. marmalade? Like- <laughs> and, and that's another reason why, why this movie is, is worse off. Because unlike most, uh, unlike most movies made um, on any of those islands, Brendan Gleeson is not in it. Um and what you need is you need that that man to like come in here and deliver a like this and then leave and then it's like instantly bumps up half a star. <laughs> I also like Hugh Grant in what's the Hugh Grant Drew Barrymore movie? That one about music. Oh, the music. songwriting oh, one. He's like the aging pop yeah, star. Yeah, I actually like that. Oh, film. music and lyrics. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was fun. I also like loved it as like a. I think I was like seventeen, but I thought it was fun. I thought that's that's actually where I first saw Hugh Grant. So like. Everybody who hates hated Hugh Grant. I never really understood it. I very much understand it now. <laughs> if you were introduced to him via these movies 
And he does the same thing in a lot of movies, except he's, like, completely unlikable and irredeemable in these. I totally get why you wouldn't like him. Well, especially, he was such a, like, so it's interesting, I'm thinking more about, like, people really taking on these characters, because, like, Colin Firth is in it because he likes the books. He co- he participated in the second book as himself because Bridget Jones is obsessed with Colin Firth. And he's in this Wait, movie really? because That's he... Wait, really? That's crazy! Yes. In the second book, Bridget Jones, for, for The Independent, the column that ran in, Bridget Jones goes and interviews Colin Firth in real life. And they wrote it by Helen Fielding pretending to be Bridget Jones and just interviewing Colin Firth. And she, it's... It is even though it does not age well. It is truly a very funny part. That of the book. is fascinating because she just like she's like she's like so when you had to do the scene because like he swims in a pool it, like he would he she's obsessed with him being Mister Darcy in the BBC show. Mm-hmm. This doesn't matter, but Colin Firth takes the part because he's like tired of being associated with Mister Darcy, and he's like taking this That's role to so kind of funny. be like. I'm cool, and I can make fun of myself, and maybe you guys could, like, cast me in something else? Like, is Crash available? Or whatever is happening in 2004. I'm as, I'm as good a time as any actor. Hugh Let me Grant is trying to lean into, oh, I got caught trying to cheat on Elizabeth Hurley, and I'm instead of fighting that, I'm just going to do a bad boy rebrand and stop playing the, like, likable, fumbling nerd and play a, a villain. So, like... I don't know. There's maybe something to, like, there's something to, like, oh, like, if I'm like my character, it will rebrand me as a celebrity that, like, I'm like, oh, I still don't always clock that. Like, that still kind of works yeah, on me, Yeah, that's think. so true. This might not actually be relevant for the, the episode. No, I think but, that's like, a really good point. I'm like, oh, yeah, that that's what they're all like, doing. Like, that's who like, they are. There for yeah, the exactly. That's yeah. so true. And, like, I think that's why, you know, a lot of people aren't liked when they when they play someone who's like not likable but you know maybe maybe he's not great i don't know him i don't know much more about him than well uh evidence to the contrary of that is america's sweetheart michael shannon (laughs) is he not is he not nice (laughs) no no i was i was i know uh, that he's making the joke that not America's that everyone in, in America loves him. <laughs> I just really do love Michael Shannon. So no, you're right. He he's in the bad pile. Like I'd be worried about the woman like walking with him. Yes. Like and I wouldn't even mean to be. I'm like realize. I think maybe this is for my own podcast where I, in a reflection of myself, talk about things that I take for granted. <laughs> like I am not sure this is relevant to this. But I'm like, oh yeah, like this. This works. <laughs> I, I believe these things. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. I pulled us away from. No, you're totally. No, no. Things. You're completely fine. This is what the um, show is. The show yeah. is a constant pulling of just good and and different points and coming back center and being like, do we fucking like this? Like, I don't think I do. <laughs> I've also just been like, I'm not used to you guys like responding to me because I have been participating in <laughs> podcasts really fiercely. <laughs> Hell yeah. And I actually, I was trying to listen to the one that came out today and I was like, I don't want to know about this movie. So I've like <laughs> started like so many, and you guys are just like, from the top, you're like, pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> There, there are movies where it's like, I, I feel like I'm not, you know, uh, doing my psychic energy a disservice by uh, opening it up with like a conversation. 
But I just know that in the case of like this or The Mummy 2017 or Spy Kids 3, like I, you could hear, you would be able to hear the poison in my voice. And I'm worried that it might leak through people's like iPhone charging holes. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Sometimes you just gotta like just swallow the hot dog's hole and get through the contest. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just, like you don't want to eat it. You're not hungry, but like you want to, you want to win. Um, <laughs> that is what would be in the third Bridget Jones movie. Is it just to humiliate her further? She would just have to enter all kinds of eating contests constantly. <laughs> and then she'd uh, have a baby, and that's all. She has a baby at the hot dog eating contest. She doesn't realize. Yeah. She's like, yeah, oh, I just thought it was stomach ache from eating so many hot dogs again. <laughs> but it was a baby. Like. Uh, yeah, and they'd they'd make a bit about him being named Frank because it's like kind <laughs> of a joke. <laughs> Shut the fuck! <laughs> I have I have two friends tonight, and their names are Oscar and Maya. <laughs> <laughs> In his fucking RP. <laughs> uh, also, I just last thing. Um, whatever that sexual, like, hotness that Colin Firth had in the first one, like, didn't come through in this one. Like, right? Like, it just didn't come through. And, like, it wasn't, it's not like anything really changed. It was just, like, purely, like, my vibe. (laughs) Yeah. It was just, like. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, um, I'm going to run to the bathroom real quick. Go peace. Sorry. No, it's fine. I just, uh, I have a note. Should I, should I save it? Yeah, save it. Okay. I, uh. Jesus Christ. What are... We didn't even cover all the... We- like, why do they have to get married? Uh, what What is wrong with Daniel? The, like... What is sex- wrong with We Daniel? didn't even get into, like, the sex worker Asian stereotype, which maybe we are not the people who need to sure. get into it, but, like, yeah. boy, it's there. Like... Yeah, we... Yeah, we didn't, actually. We could be here all night, For- but I... What's that would the middle be of the movie? Psychic self-harm. What's the middle of the movie? Like, what happens after they break up? They break up, they get back together, they break up, they get back together. She... Oh, there is kind of a gap there. Shit's going on at work. She goes to Thailand. Um... Wait a second. There's not that much of a middle of it in between her... She's really depressed... And then they her break mom up gets and engaged. she goes to Thailand. Yeah. yeah. Because, like, in the middle of the film, like, because a lot, like, the first, almost the first two-thirds of this movie are just, like, their relationship. I, I was surprised at how much time they spent just sort of, like, going through these very normal situations that happen to people who date, where you, like, yeah. figure out Trivia your public... MP dinner. You figure out your public versus private mannerisms and all that jazz i mean it was just yeah because like her family isn't really in it her friends aren't really in it Mm -mm. Mm -mm. they get flattened like more than they were in the first movie yeah in the movie they're perfect kind of back like there's when he comes in and they're fighting and the friend tom is like it's a real fight it's like the best Uh, so good (laughs) we did not mean by the way dixon we did not intend to start podcasting without you we started making small talk about the movie and then i can't get out emotions i understand they, they I completely been. understand, and I am Mr. Podcast Stand-Upper, and that's just the risk you w- run when you assume that role. <laughs> uh, no, you're totally fine. Uh, what were y'all talking about? Just, like, how the, 
like in in the first like two thirds of the film or is is just like very regular trials and tribulations of being in a relationship and how much time they spend with that and how little a problem there actually is yeah you know yeah like yeah like there's some disrespect that happens but that happens and then you like figure it out but like she's so i guess because she this is like her first boyfriend she just like really dooms hardcore what if what if the whole movie was was figuring it out like maybe that's a pitch for a second one is like you finally got the thing you wanted and now you're having to navigate it for the first time like i'm not sure that that's like that would make for like a a a great sequel but it's it's more than is here i think which is yes oh sorry go ahead no no i i agree i think that would make a great sequel i don't think that she could carry it she's too silly and if she unless she like changed and grew then i don't see how that would work with this person Mm -hmm. holy shit i haven't even talked about when she is so bad a skier that she accidentally skis into a skiing competition and gets third place in skiing. <laughs> I, oh, I lost my fucking mind. She I, skis right into the the pharmacy. I, yeah. Is that a parody of something? Is there a movie? Like I was like, is this an allusion to Cool Runnings? Like, why <laughs> is this? What makes this funny? Or and I'm like, or is it supposed to be like that xenophobic? British humor that we love that like <laughs> this is some other she, country's sport she is and, like she's like somehow racist to people in Norway <laughs> is it Norway or Germany I think it's Germany oh yeah it's ge- yeah, yeah yeah well that's yeah like I'm like you know how those Danes are British <laughs> They spend way too long being like, there is a language barrier even here. I'm like, okay, let's get out of here. At that point, just like a full on like 1950s goofy instructional cartoon on how to ski. I, I the the pantomime gestures of like trying to teach them teach these these primitive germans the english language yeah very weird in my mind they're like also wearing lederhosen i don't think they were but effectively they were that's how it felt yeah also i fucking hated i hated her her mushroom trip so much oh Oh, god what a fucking headache well i feel like they got a lot of details right like they left about 15 20 minutes (laughs) and you just you just love everything, and uh, nothing's hard. <laughs> um, it was, and just... it's not a problem that you're in the ocean by yourself. No, be there alone and figure it no out. No risk. Like it was so uninteresting, and like I was like, "Wow, this sequel is such a mess. Why are we? Why are we high? Right? Like it's so, like they have so little to talk about. Such little substance to for this movie that there's like a." 15 minute portion where she does mushrooms and then what not why i hated it so much least funny thing i've ever seen a moment that made me really laugh was the clear blue pregnancy test product placement (laughs) i think flattering shot in the i mean slow pan (laughs) across that you really have to read each letter and then up to bridget trusting it even even those freaks in germany love it (laughs) Even the though- only oh go ahead no I was just gonna make fun of it some more <laughs> <laughs> even those even those two tiny and animals <laughs> yeah they respect this pregnancy test 
I I will say, and I'm going to leave this off on one positive thing, is that when there was this blip that she might be pregnant, which is also totally random, um, they seem to have a little bit of chemistry in that scene. Something, like, actually did wake up with the both of them and, like, the, 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 the prospect of a child, like, genuinely... Like, the joy translated through the television for me. Like, I could genuinely feel some chemistry happen. And then it just made it so clear how, like, just starkly clear how much it was devoid. And the, everything before and after then. I totally, I totally agree. Like, and I also was like, oh, this is a kind of sophisticated early relationship problem. Like, to have this come up early in a relationship and be like, oh my god, we've never talked about this. And now we're figuring it out. And we're two people who... Because I'm like, is, is what they're telling us, like, that they're not willing to risk it to be together? Is, like, that the problem? Because if that's the problem, that might be kind of interesting. Or, yeah. like, I might believe that they mm. would break up and we don't hate somebody or something. But, and I was like, oh, like, that, this is, is actually pretty sophisticated and realistic, too. And there's a, they have an actual reason to comfort each other and an actual mm. reason to argue and overreact. Totally. Like, to spiral we're like oh my god you want to send uh like my my kid to that to eaton and and like i I bought totally bought it and it was good oh my god you're so right like that would have been a much better premise for a breakup than the fucking bullshit like just you're a little bit embarrassed about when i'm rude in public like there is a better (laughs) there was there was a better foundation for a breakup and had it been that you're so right like a preemptive like pregnancy scare that would have been much more fascinating film and a much better reason for them to be broken up and then i would have been more strapped in to see what the fuck she was gonna do and they could have done more just random stuff because like you do weird stuff when you break up for ambiguous reason you know what i mean like it could have been like more awkward run-ins and like I i don't know i mean this movie is safe, right? Like, this movie is to get everybody to come back to the theater. Um, like, the racism is, like, right on, you know. It's <laughs> right box office racism, for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, it, like, it hits all the same beats. Um, Renee Zellweger's Bridget is, like, as endearing as it can be, I think. Um, in the first one, I feel the same way. I really loved her in the first one. I literally walked away from the film being like, she's great and in this i hate it <laughs> this movie also made 265 million dollars like this movie was just as big a success i mean maybe a little less profitable because its budget was bigger i mean it's it's got the bump of the first one being super popular and like it like this was this was also the story with like the hangover 2 i think is that it like significantly outgrossed the first one by a lot um and i think that movie is also like racist in thailand (laughs) but it's like yeah talked about this a little bit on spy kids one that um comedies are a lot harder to sequelize than any other genre because it's it's not about exploring a world necessarily it's about a character and the things about them that are flawed and fucked up. And it's not that you can't make like multiple movies exploring like what's going on in a person's life. I think the, the, the sunrise trilogy um, does a really beautiful job of that, but those aren't rom-coms, you know, those are like, 
those are really, really, really grounded, like, like character drama. Like, those movies are plays, so they can get away with that. But, like, I think the example we used was, like, you know, at the end of Shrek, Shrek finds love, you know? He, he finds the thing that he has been looking for, and, and you're kind of... Mm. Un- unless you actually want to, like, get your hands dirty and, like, try to come up with, like, new things that this character needs to, like, grow into and things that, are, that like, make that challenging. You mentioning Shrek just made me realize, like, the sequel that could exist, which is them to work... But something in their external world is keeping them from, like, living whatever life they want to live, and they have to do it together. And that could have, like, some fights internally, but them being a team now, that's the rom-com formula, is if we're in a rom-com, when you get the guy, you guys are the team now. And and them breaking up in this movie just, like, completely undermines all of the romance of the first one. I know that that's realism, but, like, I don't want realism if I'm watching Bridget Jones. You know what I mean? I want Shrek yeah. too. <laughs> yeah, like, um, like, yeah, m- like, Mark Darcy and Bridget Jones could be, like, happily married, but then, um, Bridget Jones's mother and father are the king and queen of Far, Far Away. <laughs> and there's also a... F- <laughs> Yeah, no, sorry, this, sorry. no, that's what I wished happened, honestly. Yeah, Daniel Cleaver um, gets three yeah. wishes, and he's going <laughs> to use those wishes. I, I think um, sort of my t- the last thing, uh, I, I think we've referenced it a lot, is but just like how static everyone is in terms of their emotional life. Like, I think a huge part of why... Um, uh Firth and Zelliger don't have the same chemistry as there's not the joy of watching him start to break down his walls mm. and there's there's not like the realistic push and pull of figuring out like what you need to absolutely not compromise on to stay yourself and what you can yield because of your feelings for another person and like that is genuinely interesting to watch and they do a really good job conveying that emotional push and pull in the first movie and in the second one they're both just like commedia dell'arte like like they don't they don't change an iota they just decide to break up and then decide to get back together yeah it is purely a script move you see nothing happen internally like she might have cried, but I don't remember. She didn't seem upset to me. Like, like you know, like it didn't feel real in any way. Whereas in the first one, like, I genuinely felt for her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she had me from all by myself in the first one. Mm-hmm. Oh, my oh God. God. I mean, it iconic. was the most. It was iconic. It was such a winning start. I was like, I am strapped in. I'm ready to go. This was a profound opening to a rom-com. It was so patient. It was amazing. And this... Oh, it hurts my heart to think of that scene because it was so good. Yeah, br- bringing up that scene, it makes me feel <laughs> like what my cat feels like when he's scratching on the door and going, meow, meow. <laughs> like, please, God, anything, anything. Oh, my God. It's like, how is that the same universe? Because that was so good. <laughs> I just keep thinking, like, she uses the phrase, like, sex god and, like, sex goddess in the first movie a lot and i guess i guess i just kind of like waved that off as like this is an alien world and i'm just doing my best to understand it because i'm gonna feel guilty if i shit on a rom-com 
but the the phrase sex god keeps coming up again in this one and it just keeps something about it keeps teleporting me back to like 2004 sex in the city queer eye and i just like if i if i hear the fucking phrase sex god one more time i'm going to have a sleeping pill eating contest with myself <laughs> whoever wins i both lose whoever doesn't have to watch bridget jones edge of reason that's the again. answer that's really it yeah um ellen do you have any like parting thoughts well thank you for letting me come uh, after watching this movie being like oh like someone i don't know who's a really a big fan of this is someone that we'll now talk to like when because <laughs> i was speaking to pj and pj was like you got like if you come on it'll be for the second one and i was like oh, oh no <laughs> <laughs> i think a true fan speaks the way you did like you love it enough that you hold it accountable when it Sucks, yeah and that's awesome yeah and like i'll never like okay like before twilight and like clumsiness being another like kind of like a uh, plain like another kind of cue for like girls who are naturally beautiful so you look so pretty without makeup like before it became a part of that thing it was like a revolution at least to me and i think mm-hmm. that, that she was clumsy it was so like it was so nice that she was clumsy and that she isn't like she never wins money she never like becomes really different like yeah and to have that kind of turn on itself in this movie like i just uh, it's i'm sorry 10 year old ellen it's all right (laughs) like there's that's a really good point yeah such a good point and 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 and, like when you were saying that there was no makeover scene i had not even considered that there is in the second one moment oh, of betrayal there is, there is a makeover right. montage and it's like oh but you're too your ass is too big for your hair to look nice you dumb dumb like that's when i was like and i was like betrayal but betra- this is a betrayal we are so happy you were here you yeah thank you made so many obsessed. amazing points and we needed you to just be the foundation to what was going to be an absolute shitting on <laughs> shitting on this movie fest so thank you so much for coming this could have been so yeah. depressing. Uh, it would have like, been. This, we would have literally been this, so bummed, right? Just this could sour. have had, like, Ken Burns panning over <laughs> battlefield energy. Like. Just the three of us, like, three of us in, like, a virtual room, just, like, each sipping a PBR, like, yep. Just some sort of lone fiddle playing as we pan up, like, Hugh Grant's frosted tips again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, um... April 12th, 1864. <laughs> I don't feel Bridget. <laughs> the fact that this movie got made again in a movie called Sex in the City 2, because Sex in the City is just American Bridget Jones. It's all this, it's like so many of the same beats, so many of the same premise. It's a newspaper column that's written and it's supposed to be about friendships and then it eventually becomes about definitely landing this toxic dude at the cost of everything else. And Sex in the City 2 is like plot for, and I haven't seen it, but it's plot for plot, like, the same thing the same like very racist trip to another country um what is it what is it that's really exactly the same oh my gosh oh uh les like i think this person's after my man but it turns out she's a lesbian who's into me like so in the sense that like there's such parallels of each other and what they try and do like they fall apart the same way yeah they get really big and they have to be romantic they yeah. have to be about getting the guy. It's interesting the relationship uh, between them. They mention sex in the city in this movie. 
Yeah. Like, when Hugh Grant's talking about, like, the Big Apple, and he's talking about, like, Sex in the City isn't just a show, it's, like, a lifestyle or something like that. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. And that's so funny. No, and it was hilarious, and I spent the rest of the movie laughing, and I didn't hear what happened after then. Lucky but, you. But um, I just think it's interesting, because I was like, are they, is that a dig at Sex in the City, or is it, like, a mutual respect? Because, like you were saying, I think that Bridget Jones did a lot of those, was sort of a pioneer for this very specific sort of, um, yeah. Yeah. What are women spending money on? Mm. Be- better find out and s- shove it to them. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Tax um, them. <laughs> I'm such a fan, you guys. I'm such a fan. Oh, I'm such a you. fan of you. you, Ellen. I knew this was a good call. Yeah, holy shit. you have single-handedly vindicated the choice to put bridget jones under a microscope yes this has been absolutely just infuriatingly fun like why you guys this is so y'all this is so fun you're i truly love the podcast as pj knows and all i'm starting to come out about this publicly like i really don't like movies and haven't seen any of them (laughs) (laughs) except the mummy which i'm very into um hell yeah so i love like i'm like oh i feel like i get like i love that you guys know so much and love so much and that it's just like it's never a dunking it's so fun and i like i'm really just it's like truly a weak highlight to listen oh to my it, gosh so. thank you so much I'm having a lot of fun so with it so thank crazy you crazy even if it's just for me like <laughs> absolutely it. no and 100 <laughs> <laughs> percent um hell yeah so should we should we should we rank this bad girl this is this like, dirty, dirty whore. <laughs> <laughs> you know, in Germany, they don't speak the same language as <laughs> um, It has a sea coast. <laughs> Which sea? I can't do a British accent, but Dixon's done it enough that I wanted to try. <laughs> don't talk anymore about where Germany is. Oh my God, that was <laughs> she knows where it that is. Was so annoying. I was like, everyone kind of knows where it is. Why do I need to know more than that? Like, I was actually irritated that they were digging on her about that. I was like, I don't know what any of the Midwest looks like. I'm still smart. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah. I do not know what sea touches to touches Germany, and I don't feel morally bad mm-hmm. about that. Exactly. You don't know enough about Germany to have nice hair. <laughs> <laughs> In the makeover, it's just flashcards, like, of different <laughs> European countries. Off. <laughs> and then she turns around, and her hair's a rack. <laughs> the, the taxi driver giving thumbs down to her pointing on a globe <laughs> um <laughs> fuck this there's no way this isn't one two three right or, no i'm sorry one three two Excuse it's me. gotta be like that i mean may, maybe well i don't know like you were i'm gonna actually make a dangerous prediction here i think i might like three more than i like one hmm. i'm i'm just guessing that but i think something that um well, one, because it will be the movie immediately following Bridget Jones, The Edge of Reason, so my standards will be a little bit lower. <laughs> um, and, and two, because, PJ, something you said while we were recording last episode is is, is that, like, it might be, I, I don't know, I think the idea of Bridget Jones in a more contemporary setting it might offer some some measure of, of relief because right. yeah. Yeah. the years 2001 and 2004 uh, at least in my memory, um, well, one objectively, uh, <laughs> were, were incredibly unkind Grim. years. Yeah, like yeah. Two, 2004 from a personal standpoint was just like it was just awful. It was culturally <laughs> toxic as fuck to be alive then. 
Mm. And yeah. it's yeah, warmongery. It's new homophobia. It's like yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I didn't clock this stuff. I'm sure I saw this movie pretty close when it came out. And of course, I was like, as long as you're popular and you want to be funny, you can't possibly be being racist. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, I got that. I got that programming, too. Yeah. Um. So I'm not saying it's I'm not saying it's a unique problem to this movie. It's pretty it's time stamped pretty well, I'd say. I think I'm going to say one, three, too because i think renee's performance in the first one was quite special yeah and as problematic as it was or or even as boring or like grim as it was in a lot of the beginning of the film i really thought she did something really special with a rom-com character in the first film and Absolutely. I, f- I feel like it's a um it's not repeatable so it's just really hard for me to see anything going well after that (laughs) i think um i would have to uh, i mean pretty obviously if it gets worse from here i will be uh astounded and kind of impressed with them like wow like you doubled down and you had to get (laughs) emma thompson to do punch-ups on your script to get there that would be impressive so i'm putting this one last it would fucking rock if I liked three more. I I want to be that open-minded, but I'm not. I was raised by Republicans. I think I'm going to put <laughs> the first movie above that, and then those are two through four, and then first place is just going to be Ellen, because you're one of yeah! my favorite human yeah. beings. My one-woman show born. of just reading the books. <laughs> <laughs> Let's review Bridget Jones 2 every episode from now on and just have you on for all of them this was the best ellen seriously we're yeah. so happy that you were on i'm st- i'm so happy you were a guest and and our first guest at that yeah. thank you so much oh please i'm so happy i'm so honored um i seriously can't believe you watched this movie and then we're like yeah we want someone who's in the corner of this that's someone we want to be around and show the background of our rooms to a place where we need to feel safe um, we need an expert. I think I'll d- agree with the ranking. I would just like give this movie one quarter of a leg of giant constrictive underwear out of five. Like that is more of how I'm thinking of the mm-hmm. ranking. Like it's just, and it's like, yeah, it's hard. I think I could never love anything more than one because I like, it's just written in my soul too hard. Mm-hmm. But um, one, one big lawyer out of five. <laughs> it's like it's like it's like an exec's son was like i have an idea (laughs) no you can tell they you can absolutely tell you can feel the energy of like you look at the poster and like we have to put the dudes on it because the dudes were a breakout (laughs) what are we gonna say what could we say about them but they have to be the same letters (laughs) right i I can't like I can't make a j- j- nothing's funnier than big lawyer. What am I going to do to improve on that? Also big like lawyer has entered that, like, the chat. Big lawyer. They thought it was bad and then they ca- and they couldn't come up with anything else like and they're like wait you know. <laughs> you know what might neutralize oh. big lawyer is big lawyer. <laughs> 
so and i'm like so you know who she chooses by looking at the poster so wait so in your hypothetical here becky they weren't going to put big liar there's just going to be one arrow pointing to colin firth that said big lawyer and nothing else big lawyer hugh grant they were just gonna do big lawyer hugh grant and then they're like Something's missing. Give <laughs> <laughs> <an> opportunity. <laughs> I'll only do it if I get credited off. as big lawyer. <laughs> well, I was gonna say there should be a spinoff that's just about Daniel Cleaver getting treatment for his apparently real sex addiction, and it's mm-hmm. called uh, Big Liar. <laughs> getting getting him back, I think, might have been the undoing of the movie too. Yeah, having to like bring him back really fool you fool bridget enough that like you could forgive her yeah i think and then i because he's not in the second book so i i think bringing him back was a uh, stupid idiot stuff yeah like and i get that you have to do it like then they get that they have to fight like i get i get it but um yeah, if anyone comes, should we all, maybe we should challenge ourselves to come up with a better poster. <laughs> That's a great idea. I'm telling something right now, I won't be able to, it's It's, it's already perfect. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think um, there should be, there should be an arrow pointing to Colin Firth that says big lawyer, um, and then uh, arrows pointing to both Renee Zellweger and Hugh Grant, and above it said, not even a regular lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> It's lawyer versus just other vocational. Yeah, there's two things you can non-lawyers. There are three. There are three types of people in in this world. There's non-lawyers, regular-sized lawyers, and then there's big lawyers. And And it's not like illegal drama. Like you know, like him being a lawyer isn't important. Like he could be like, oh, I'm a wizard, and that's why you can get out of prison. (laughs) Big wizard change. (laughs) Big wizard. Big lawyer energy. Release the wizard cut. <laughs> we want to see it. He's got major BLE. <laughs> we didn't even mention that it's pointing to Bridget and it says, Big Dilemma. Like, it's a it's a three-part series. It's Oh, yeah, big, you're right. I, if you had to pick between a big lawyer and a big liar, that would be a big dilemma. <laughs> Because it's like, which one do you pick? Do you pick the guy who practices law despite having to duck through every doorway he goes through because he's 12 feet tall? Or do you pick the guy who the movie is marketed on being a liar to you? He's a villain. Like, genuinely, why does it say that? I don't need to watch the movie. I've I've got a fix. It clears up all of these implications and I think makes oh, the message boy, of the movie oh boy, more clear. Oh There's an arrow pointing to Colin Firth and it says Big Colin Firth. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm with you, but only if in this poster he's so big and there's <laughs> so, <laughs> there's so small. Big Colin Firth. Big liar. Big <laughs> What but if, you can't uh, even if, you can't even see who the other two people are. <laughs> They're so small. They're small in his little foot, in his, in his shadow. Foot shadow. Or, or it's them regular size, but like a huge neck of a suit, and you can't see it. <laughs> They're standing on his shoulders. I want it to say like "big lawyer, big liar," and then it's pointing to the title, and it says "big letters." <laughs> <laughs> Oh, she didn't knock my microphone out. 
<laughs> just, just sort of self-referential. <laughs> just sort of piggybacking off the big lawyer, big liar comment. <laughs> it's funny you mentioned that because also these letters are real big. Okay, I have to go really fast. Dead Horses, Becky Granger, Dixon Cashwell, and PJ Audencia. We'd like to thank Max Huffman for our podcast art. Go to maxhuffman.com and order his book, Cover Not Final. To follow us on social media, check us out at Dead Horse Podcast on Instagram and Dead Horse the Pod on Twitter. If you're on Apple Podcasts, rate us five stars. The song is from Dixon. I like it. Do you guys like it? Tell Dixon. I li- Dixon, we like it. <laughs>